Hey guys, this is Kyle Krabs of Fin It to Win It. Let me ask you a question. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why would you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you can bet games after kickoff? If the second half it doesn't look like your bet's going to go the way you wanted, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to bet. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Blue wire. Rosen traded to the Dolphins. I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Rosen looking down the field, and his pass is going to be caught for the touchdown. And he's running around, circling. Oh, look out! Brachowski didn't have the angle. Touchdown! Oh, Canyon Drake! A miracle! Bad news, my friends. This podcast has been traded by the Miami Dolphins for future draft capital. I'm sorry to deliver the news, but I'm also just kidding. Welcome to Finna to Win It. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host, MC, tour guide through the draft process. Listen, I'm going to be honest. You know, this is a Dolphins podcast. There's 14 games left to play in 2019, but I got to ask you guys, honestly, Do you want me to talk about the 14 football games that are on the horizon? Do you want me to talk about the Dolphins and Cowboys game this weekend? Do you want me to recap 43 to nothing loss to the New England Patriots? There's going to be like topical things that I can discuss, but I don't need to give you knee-jerk reactions to 43 to nothing and how at least the Dolphins kept it within two scores and going into halftime before Kalen Balazs tried to catch another couple balls with his brick hands and batted one volleyball style to a Patriots defender to run back for a pick six, and Ryan Fitzpatrick forgot what team he's playing. Like, you you don't care, right? I don't care. I honestly, you know, I am trying as hard as I possibly can to emotionally detach myself from the results on the field. You know, it's, it's difficult. I've been a diehard Dolphins fan since I was like seven years old. But I just, I cannot afford the energy to care this year because you, you see the writing on the wall. You understand the Dolphins, uh, the, the front office does not care about the results of the game. And that brings me to the first talking point that I want to get on today. We're going to talk about a lot. We're going to talk about the Minka Fitzpatrick deal that went down over the weekend or at the beginning of the week. Uh, we're going to talk about... Um, my initial blueprint for how to fix the Dolphins' offense based on what they have at their disposal. But first, I want to talk about the national media just absolutely pooping their pants over the Dolphins' tanking. You know, and Chris Greer, I will give Chris Greer a ton of credit. Chris Greer came out at the beginning of the week, on Tuesday, I believe it was, and met with the media. And he was asked, like, why are you giving up on two of your last four first-round picks? And the perspective is really, well, when Laramie Tunsil saw what we were getting in return for Laramie Tunsil, Laramie Tunsil told me 
yeah, I'd trade me for that too. Like, just an astronomical return on investment. You spent the 13th overall pick in 2016 on Laramie Tunzel. You get three years of starting quality football and quality offensive line play from Laramie Tunzel. And then you turn around and you turn that into two ones and a two. Like you, if Houston picks at 25, you've literally doubled uh, your return on investment based on like the pick value chart with a two and two ones for a first round pick number 13 overall three years ago. I understand Laramie Tunsil's ceiling is through the roof good, right? I understand the Dolphins will need an offensive tackle, but guess what? More and more and more and more, we are seeing that the Dolphins are in love with Tua Tagovailoa, and that is the direction that they're going to go, and that's why they chose to do the hard reset, because that's their guy, right? So, with that in mind, Laramie Tunsil plays left tackle, and Tua Tagovailoa is a left-handed quarterback. So the blind side tackle is the right tackle, which makes sense why the team then bumped Jesse Davis over to left tackle, because he's going to be like, we like him. We think he could start there. We hope with 16 games, he'll, he'll kind of be able to marinate and, you know, we can roll with him and not have to replace him if we don't want to. Uh, Rich Eisen dropped some interesting nuggets over the course of this week, and I actually saw he dropped this uh, at the beginning of the month, too, after the Tunsil deal. He said you know, he was he- hearing as early as the 2018 NFL draft in Dallas that the Dolphins loved Tua so much that they were going to tank for him. And Rich had said something along the lines of, you know, he thought maybe that went by the, wi- the by the wayside when the Dolphins traded for Josh Rosen for a second-round pick. And I get a lot of questions. Why did the Dolphins trade for Josh Rosen if this is how they're going to treat him? Because this isn't what anybody expected Josh Rosen to be. The, jo- the, the Dolphins made this move for Josh Rosen hoping they could you know, maybe skip the line. You get a top-ten pick at quarterback for a second-round pick at number 61 overall and you're paying him, like, $2 million for the next three or four years, I mean, yeah, shoot your shot. Like, worst-case scenario, they don't want to use that pick to help the roster win games this year anyway. And they initially traded back to keep the second-round pick. They just pushed it back to 2020. Right? So it's like the Dolphins made that move hoping, you know, maybe we we strike gold here, we, we skip the line. And Josh, you know, I, I'm still a proponent of Josh. I still like Josh. I still will root for Josh. I think Josh has... All the throwing talent in the world. But Josh mentally, between the ears, was nowhere ready to see an NFL field last year as a rookie. And the Cardinals put him out there anyway. And then the Dolphins get him in here and they say, holy cow, can't ID mics, can't call protections. Football IQ is not where we anticipated him to be. So let's put him on the back burner. Let's coach him up. Let's use him as the buffer, depending on how... The rebuild goes in year one in 2020. If we need Josh Rosen to start the year instead of Tua, we'll do that and hopefully plays well. And then hopefully we can maximize our return on investment by trading him again, or we hang on to him for a couple years and he's a really good backup quarterback. That's why the Dolphins traded Josh, or for Josh Rosen. They hoped potentially they could just skip the line for a quarterback and not need it because Josh was going to come in and blow the doors off. It didn't happen. So now they have a plan to move forward with him. It is what it is. But again, the Dolphins didn't need that second-round pick because they didn't want to help improve their roster all that much this year anyway. Um, Dominic Foxworth uh, had some really harsh words for uh, the Miami Dolphins, uh, calling their tank job, quote, uh, 
immoral or unethical, I'm sorry, and we'll quote him verbatim here. He said, it was unethical and morally reprehensible. As if some of the guys that are in the league right now don't have major like legal issues. Like if if you want to call it unethical, that's one thing. But morally reprehensible is very strong, very strong language. Like, dude, like let's think about some of the guys who are playing in the NFL. Let's think about some of the things some of those guys have done before we get on our high horse and say, hey, Miami is playing an economics game where they're trading their most valuable assets, understanding they're not going to win a Super Bowl in the next two years to maximize their ability to reinfuse the roster and start everybody at square one together. Saying that the, the, the Dolphins are putting players in danger. It's a dangerous game, but it's reckless to put guys in this kind of danger. It's like, they're still playing with helmets and pads. They're not running them out there with their hands tied behind their back or any, they're not putting concrete slabs up along the sidelines, you know, like these guys want to play football. And for a lot of these guys, you know, he said these guys are getting putting bad tape out there. A lot of these guys that are on the Dolphins roster that people have a problem with being on an NFL roster wouldn't be on an NFL roster anyway. So it's a chance for those guys who have scratched and clawed their entire life to prove that they have a chance to play at the NFL level and can make it and can stick. And there's probably going to be a handful of guys for the Dolphins this year that extend their playing careers because they had a chance to play in Miami and they do some nice things. You want to call it unethical to just tear down a roster like this so blatantly? That's fine. But morally reprehensible is... mm, I'm not buying morally reprehensible. I think that was the strongest reaction that I saw from anybody regarding the Dolphins, uh, which, you know, here at the 10-minute mark of the podcast is a perfect time to segue away from the negativity, uh, kind of stomp your feet all you want, national media, it's fine. We're used to you, I'm just glad that the national media is talking about the Miami Dolphins for once. (laughs) Nobody ever talks about, like, like, I remember, it's probably been the last, like, three or four years, right, like, Mid-November, Dolphins win a game. You're fired up as a fan. The primetime slate comes on, the halftime show, and they do like the 60-second rundown of like everything that happened that day in football. And half the time, like they don't even show a highlight play of the Dolphins game. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, the Dolphins won that I do. Getting some attention is kind of nice. Even if there's so much negativity involved with it, like the Dolphins, I mean, they're, they're relevant right now. They're going to own the draft process in April next year. And that's exactly what Chris Greer said. They asked Chris, like, what do you think you could do with all these picks? And Chris goes, I mean, we can effectively do whatever we want. We can get any player that we want in the 2020 NFL draft. And he's not wrong. And that's exciting because a couple blue chip players – Signing one or two key free agents. Dolphins are facing no potential losses in compensatory picks. Chris Greer talked about towing that line. He wants to be aggressive in free agency, but he also wants to build something that's sustainable long-term for long-term success, right? So what that tells me is two things. The Dolphins will be aggressive and they will spend, and they're going to throw a butt-ton of money in guaranteed money at guys in the first two years of their contract. Because with $120 million in salary cap space, you should front load the hell out of your contracts. Because two or three years from now, 
when the Dolphins are looking and getting into a competitive window, you need to be able to reassess, like, yeah, we overpaid to get this guy in here to help turn around this, this, this process. Is he going to be a continued part of our plans? If he is, you pay him again. If he's not, he's got maybe a couple years left of base salary that's $10, $11 million a year. You can cut him and minimize your losses, right? So that's going to bring me to my blueprint to turn around the Miami Dolphins. I feel really excited about this. Step number one. This is just the offense, okay? Step number one. Sign offensive guard Brandon Scherf in free agency. This guy's a former first-round pick, plays for Washington, and you know he's a good player because when I proposed this on Twitter yesterday, every single Washington Redskins fan that follows me tweeted at me and said, you can't have him. He's not leaving Washington. Well, you know, people leave teams all the time. And until you either franchise tag Brandon Scherf or you sign him to a long-term extension, he's on my wish list. Get over it. And he'd be a great addition to the Miami Dolphins offensive line. Brandon Scherf, he's 28 years old, former top 10 overall pick. He missed 2018 with an injury, but he's phenomenal. He's strong as hell. He's mobile. He played left tackle at Iowa and has played guard his entire career since. And I think... Him and Deer as a one-two punch at guard is such a monumental upgrade over anything the Dolphins have seen like this decade at offensive guard. Step two, the writing's on the wall. You draft two at one. As I said, I'm, I'm still a proponent of Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen can be a very good starting quarterback in the NFL, and I like that the Dolphins are going to give him time. They're going to coach him up. Do all the things that nobody did with him at UCLA and nobody did with him at Arizona. Does that mean he's going to have an opportunity to be the guy here in Miami? Probably not. That sucks because I like Josh. But the Dolphins clearly have eyes for Tua Tunga Viola. That's the way they're going to go. So let's not resist it just because I like Josh Rosen. Like, I'm going to be a realist here. Tua's the guy. So we have to draft Tua at one, assuming that this tank goes swimmingly and the Jets don't get in our way. We'll talk about Adam Gase here before the end of the show because I'm loving what's going on up there. Step three, you take your second first-round pick, presumably the Steelers' pick. They're 0-2. If Mason Rudolph quarterbacks them to 7-7 in 14 games, they're 7-9. That's probably an 11-16 through pick in the 2020 NFL draft. If you need to trade up, trade up. I don't care. Go get offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs from the University of Iowa. Dude is a monster. It's like 6'6", 320, super nimble, long, like he checks every single box you could possibly want in an offensive tackle prospect, and he plays on the right side, which is going to be more valuable to the Dolphins than any other team in the NFL because two is a left-handed quarterback, so Wirfs would be playing the blind side tackle spot. Just don't trade your first-round pick, and don't trade 33 overall. If you got to jump up, make a move. That's step three. So now you got Scherf, Tua, and Wirfs. Michael Dieter, they drafted in the third round last year. That is a long-term starter piece. I like Dieter. He was a top 40 player for me on my draft board in 2019. Step four, use that third first-round pick and draft Tyler Beattis, the center, out of Wisconsin. You like where this is going, right? Because Dolphins' offensive line has not been good for a very long time. We're going to finally put it to bed. And my thought process here is in investing everything 
in the first round into the offense, specifically a supporting cast for Tua Tunga Viola, is if you're going to do what the Dolphins have done, which is effectively tear down your entire roster. And if you're going to do that and make this team so bad and you're going to bring a rookie quarterback in with a number one overall pick, you damn well sure better invest in surrounding him with as much talent as possible to keep him clean. So I'm a proponent if you want to start Josh Rosen for the first six games, four games, eight games of 2020, fine. At least you got offensive line around him. So now your offensive line from left to right is going to read Jesse Davis for now. Maybe they sign somebody in free agency. Maybe they don't. Jesse Davis at left tackle. Michael, Michael Dieter, who I had as a top 40 prospect in 2019, who they got in the third round because positional value knocked him down. First round center in Tyler Beattis, who's like 6'3", 3'15", uh, would have been my top interior offensive lineman if he came out last year over Chris Lindstrom, who went in the, fifth, uh, in the top 15, over Garrett Bradbury, who went in the top 20. He's that good. And then you have Brandon Scherf at right guard. And then you have Tristan Wirfs, a top 15 caliber offensive tackle prospect, playing the blind side for Tua Tonga Viola. Sound good? Sound good? I'm not even done. But before I continue with my master plan involving number 33 overall, I want to talk to you guys about today's sponsors for Bennett to Win It. There are countless ways to keep up with what's happening in the world of sports, but how are you supposed to read every great article? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing time in your busy day? Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. Now coming to the stage, Axios Sports. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. Every morning you'll see the best stories from around the sports world from the NBA to the NFL to niche sports like cricket and ping pong. The email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, sports.axios.com. Sports Axios is clean, crisp, and gives you everything you need to know. Read it in five minutes in the elevator, or discover a deep dive article while you're on the train to work. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with your friends and coworkers. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself and your time a favor. Sign up with Axios Sports' newsletter for free at sports.axios.com. Seriously, I subscribe to it and it makes me feel more informed without spending time clicking through websites, apps, and social media platforms. Again, Try it for free at sports.axios.com. Guys, let's face it. We're terrible at taking care of our health. Whether it's a knee injury, a bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing the doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't even get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman has created a way for you to chat with a doctor easily online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED if appropriate. From the comfort and privacy of your own home, you can handle everything online in a convenient and discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides the treatment will be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your front door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. 
Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. So go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. You guys ready to hear the rest of the plan? It only involves one more pick, and it's the controversial one, but I don't think it's that controversial. I want to draft running back Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin with the 33rd overall pick. There have been concerns with Jonathan Taylor. Can he catch the football? He doesn't catch the football. Well, Wisconsin, just quite frankly, does not use their backs to catch the football. They've got bell cow guys. They like to use like weird like fullback tight end hybrids out of the backfield to catch the ball. Like it's, it's just the way they go. But I'll say this. Jonathan Taylor has caught three touchdown passes in five total receptions this year. His previous career high in receptions in a season is eight. Through first two weeks in September, he's got five already and three touchdowns. Never had a touchdown reception before this year. He looks good catching the football. And I understand the Dolphins like Kalen Balaj. But if you've watched Kalen Balaj so far this season, I'm not putting my eggs in that basket. I'm sorry. And I'm probably also going to try and trade Kenyon Drake before the end of the season. Because trading Kenyon Drake ends up netting and resulting you a pick for a player who's an expiring contract, who can't lock down the starting position between two separate offensive or two separate coaching staffs. And the Dolphins want to run downhill. Well, guess what? If you got an offensive line in front of you that includes Michael Dieter, Wisconsin, Tyler Beattis, Wisconsin, Brandon Scherf, Iowa. Tristan Wirfs, Iowa. Big Ten West has all the beef. And these guys run at you and they dare you to stop them. And you can't stop them on the ground. And then you put Wisconsin running back, Jonathan Taylor, who's 5'11", 210, is going to run in the 4'4", is receiving the ball better than he ever has in his his entire career. And then two is in the backfield here like, yeah, let's lean on the running game. Let's do a lot of what Steve Sarkeesian is doing at the University of Alabama this year. A lot of West Coast concepts for Tua Tungavayola. A lot of play action. A lot of turning your back to the defense and rollouts and mesh concepts. Like, Alabama's offense has it cooking this year. And this group of guys that I'm proposing to put around Tua Tungavayola, really, like, I'm, I'm energized thinking about that possibility. But I'm also energized because this plan is only made possible because the Dolphins traded a disgruntled Minka Fitzpatrick. Pittsburgh Steelers lost Ben Roethlisberger for the year and then really decided to commit to trading their first-round pick in 2020 to the Miami Dolphins. I put out a tweet like six hours before this deal went final on Monday. It was at the gym. And I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, like I really wonder how close Pittsburgh's conversations were to trading for Minka. Because if they would have been invested enough to give up their first round pick and then lose Big Ben, like that would have been huge for the Dolphins. Really, it would have been really out of character for the Steelers, would have been really surprised if it got that far. But hey, it's fun to think about. And then like six hours later, the Steelers actually do the deal anyway. I'm dying. I'm dying. And listen, on September 13th, I put out a tweet. This is almost a week ago. This is last Friday. It was when it became apparent that Minka had requested a trade and was very disgruntled and so on and so forth. I said, send me your team's 
your favorite team's best trade offer for Minka Fitzpatrick. And folks, I got over 400 responses. And the way we are going to spend the last couple minutes of this podcast is I'm going to roast the hell out of some of you guys. Because some of the offers that I got involving Minka Fitzpatrick, like straight disrespectful, I'm going to laugh at you. Because the Dolphins got a one from a team that's 0-2 and just lost their Hall of Fame starting quarterback. Mason Rudolph is going to have to absolutely ball out. Like Mason Rudolph will have to go 10-4 and as a starter playing in the AFC North with four games remaining against the Browns and the Ravens in divisional play. You think he's sweeping those? You think he's going 2-2? Two and two? Backup quarterback from Oklahoma State. like, And I like Mason Rudolph reasonably well. But I think the best case scenario now for the Steelers is to hope to go 500 in their remaining games. I don't know if they're going to get there. Six wins almost gets you a top 10 pick. Six wins gets you a top 10 pick. Let's go to war, man. Like, let's do this. I am the number one. Forget the Dolphins this year. I'm the number one fan of whoever's playing the Texans and whoever's playing the Steelers. You can even roll the Saints in there with the second round pick. And they lost Drew Brees for six weeks. I mean, there's some really exciting potential with what this draft capital can turn into as far as an opportunity standpoint. But let's go ahead and roast the trade offers that I got for Minka Fitzpatrick. Some of these were half-hearted, but many of these were not. Charlie is a Bills fan, and he wanted to offer us a 2023rd, a 2021 fourth, Tommy Sweeney, and Robert Foster. As a reminder, the Dolphins got potentially a top 15 pick. Um, The third and the fourth combines to be like, based on where Buffalo's going to finish, the value there is an early, you're giving us an early three, like an undrafted wide receiver, and a late round tight end. This was what plagued these, these mentions for me, was I will give you less than what you want from a, kit, a pick perspective and some of our trash on our roster. Like, I was offered more trades involving Taco Charlton. It was like Dallas's two and Taco Charlton final offer. Why the hell would I do that? Dallas might win the Super Bowl this year, so you're going to give us 64 and a guy that you just cut. Dallas literally cut Taco Charlton yesterday. And Dallas fans are like, yeah, he's such an asset. Uh, just doesn't work with Dallas, but you totally want him. Trust me. You totally want Taco Charlton. Him and a two. Make a Fitzpatrick. Let's go. Reminder, the Dolphins got a top 15 pick potentially. Uh, Washington, Matt, offered 2023rd, 2021 third, and any defensive back the Dolphins want. Not interested. Again, here's the thing. The Dolphins want the capital. The Dolphins don't want players back. Um, Colts, this this one might be the most offensive one I got. Offensive tackle, LaRaven Clark, tight end, Mo Alley-Cox, and a 2021 conditional pick. Fourth if he plays 65% of the snaps, and sixth if it's less than 65% of the snaps. So... LaRaven Clark, backup offensive lineman. Tight end Mo Alley-Cox, 
third string tight end, and a 2021, not even a 2020, a 2021 conditional fourth if he plays 65% of the snaps. If he doesn't, then, then you have to give us a six. The disrespect, like we already have five of LaRaven Clarks on the roster between Jamarcus Webb, Julian Davenport, like go down the list. Plagued. The mentions were plagued with, we will give you our garbage. Frankie's a good dude. I like Frankie, but Frankie gave me this one. He's a Bears fan. Second, sixth, and Prince of Mukamara as a high quality rental. And I had to respond. They said, Miami's trying to lose football games. Why would they, why would they want a high-quality rental? The points to be bad. The points to be bad. And, and the second and the sixth from Chicago, maybe that's between 50 and 55. You know, may, 45 and 55 is a fair strike zone. I think Chicago's going to slide back a little bit this year. You know, we're, you're, you're seeing some uh, plateauing with Mitch Trubisky. But... Um, Amukamara uh, was kind of the, the, the oddest throw-in that I got. Actually, no, I'm looking at it now. I take it back. This was the most disrespectful offer that I got from anybody. It's from Cameron, Bears fan. Bears really wanted Minka, apparently, for some reason, pairing back with Eddie Jackson like back in the Alabama days. Mitchell Trubisky, Leonard Floyd, a 2022nd and a 2026. For Minka, Josh Rosen, and Houston's first-round pick. Why? Why? I mean, the whole point of what we're doing is to get a quarterback. We don't want a quarterback. Especially Mitchell Trubisky is a former top-five pick. Flipping for Josh Rosen. Like, we have Rosen in the building. We know what he is. And we have to give up a first-round pick to get Leonard Floyd? I think the Dolphins gave up the three best assets there. Oh, probably the two best assets. Minka and the first from Houston are the best assets in that deal. And we're giving them both away for Leonard Floyd and Mitch. Okay, no, I'm going to pass on that one. And my overall point, I had said this earlier, uh, was there is no cesspool in Twitter sports deeper than the fan offering fans of other teams a trade package. Because... The perception is, well, I want your player, and I'm going to give you who I think is bad for your player, even though he's bad. You just, we're just going to assume you don't know he's bad. So anytime somebody proposes a trade offer that involves a player, just assume that player's in the deal proposed to come back for your asset for a reason. Instead, the Pittsburgh Steelers, with a backup quarterback who's never started a game before in the NFL, Gave the Miami Dolphins a first-round pick. There's supply and demand here. There's economics involved. Make his contract situation. Something like It's a great example of why the Dolphins have not been able to move Rashad Jones. Because Rashad Jones is more accomplished at the NFL level than Minka Fitzpatrick is. He's not as versatile, but he's more accomplished. But he's 30 years old. He's had a long list of recent injury issues. And they're paying him a ton of money. Dolphins can't find a buyer for a jar of peanut butter for Rashad Jones. It is what it is, just like this season. And that's why I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Fin It to Win It. Stick with me. Come back. Like I said, I'm not going to beat games into the ground now. I can't. You don't want to hear it, and I don't want to talk about it. So let's talk about the future. Let's talk about the plan. Let's talk about where the Dolphins can go from here. 
and really stay energized on that front. I'm Kyle Krebs. Thanks as always for listening to Finn to Win It. Come back and listen again next week.